Welcome to the Andrew Young School Podcast, where each month we interview a member of the Andrew Young School community who embodies the school's charge to think ahead and innovate in the fields of criminal justice, economics, public management and policy, social work, and urban studies. For this episode, we spoke to Ramu Khalidi, a public health policy analyst in the Division of Global Health Protection at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Ramu graduated from the Andrew Young School in 2008 with a BS in public policy and has worked in various capacities at the CDC over 14 years. We spoke to him about how his education led him to working in public health policy and the importance of building a diverse set of skills over the course of a career in public policy. So I'm here with Ramu Khalidi. Ramu, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be here with you. So I want to start by learning how you ended up in the Andrew Young School. What was your path to studying with us? Well, my path to the Andrew Young School uh, and actually GSU began in 2004 as an undergraduate. Um, In high school, I wanted to study graphic design, um, but my parents convinced me otherwise. Um, So I enrolled in the policy school as an undecided major initially and uh, later declared uh, urban policy a major, but when the school created a major in public policy, I switched to that, uh, and apparently I am one of the first graduates of the degree. Uh, at the time, the policy school did not have concentrations to choose from for this public policy degree, so as it does now, so I have like a very broad and flexible public policy education. That's awesome, and we love to hear from folks who uh, come from our earlier days, so to speak. I'm curious, from that broader uh, outlook on policy that you got in your undergrad, how did you become interested in health policy in particular? Right. Uh, I actually became interested in, let's say, public health policy after I started working at CDC as a student trainee in 2007. Um, prior to that, public health and public health policy was never on my radar. Um, I can go into a little about how I got to CDC. It's a little story. Um, But I joined CDC through the Workforce Recruitment Program. It's a nationwide recruitment and referral program that connects federal and private sector employers uh, with college students and recent graduates uh, with disabilities for summer or permanent jobs. So I do have a disability. Um, And so when the representative from the Office of Personnel Management, OPM, uh, interviewed me at GSU's uh, Disability Services Office, I had no idea my resume and information would be referred to CDC. Um, And I had applied to WRP three years in a row, um, but wasn't accepted until the third time. Uh, So as they say, third time's a charm. But by the third year, I was about to graduate and I had completed an internship at the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation. It's a nonprofit that provides hearing aids and vision services to low-income Georgians. I was also studying for the LSAT uh, with the intention of going to law school. Uh, But after taking the LSAT and getting some CDC work experience, I realized that I didn't have a real passion for law and I could really make a difference. with work that didn't necessarily need a law degree. And so here I am 14 years later uh, with a solid public health policy uh, career and continuing. (laughs) It's so interesting that CDC wasn't even really on your radar at that point. Do you remember um, what your impression was when you got the first word back that they were interested in bringing you on board? That's funny. Um, 
So I was like 20 something at the time and remember getting the call uh, and saying, Mr. Kaladi, Kal- it's actually pronounced Kaladi, but um, they didn't know that. So they said, Mr. Kaladi, um, we'd like to interview for a job uh, uh, at CDC. And I thought it was for my dad, actually, <laughs> at the time, because um, like no one at CDC would be interested in me. It was what I thought at the time. But lo and behold, it was, it was actually for me. Um, and so that was my, my first reaction. I'm like, this can't be real. I love that. That's awesome. So when you were here at the Andrew Young School, I realized that's been a little bit now. Um, were there any particular courses or faculty who shaped your maybe unlikely rise into uh, public health policy? Is there any class that you look back on and think, wow, I use that like every single day? I hope I don't get in trouble for having favorites and <laughs> things, but um, well, definitely my one of my favorite uh, courses was a policy leadership class uh, taught by the late Dean and Professor Emeritus, uh, Dr. Michael Mascon and Professor Emeritus, uh, Dr. Harvey Newman. Um, it was a seminar style uh, course with guest speakers, including our namesake Ambassador Andrew Young. But this class taught me to have the mindset that the private, public, and nonprofit sectors can and should all work together uh, to address the world's public health challenges. And um, an interesting story is that uh, that course came full circle for me in 2011 when uh, Dr. Newman invited me to be a guest speaker to that same course. Um, and it was such an honor and pleasure to go back to AYS and you know share my career path and experiences. But it came about because uh, I was reaching out to Dr. Yamin for advice, uh, I had just uh, started working, um, volunteering as a advisory council member to the Spina Bifida Association of Georgia, Tennessee, in addition to my um, CDC job. So this is a personal volunteer capacity, but I was born with Spina Bifida and I continue to volunteer with this local chapter of a national association that serves families and individuals with uh, affected by this birth defect. Um, so I spoke to this class about how my professional career was in the public sector, but I devoted much of my personal time to this nonprofit's work um, and how I'm able to affect change via both sectors kind of at the same time. I also mentioned uh, the internship that I had with the Georgia uh, Lions Lighthouse Foundation actually came about because of Dr. Newman. Uh, at the time, the executive director was Christina Lennon of that nonprofit. And she was a former student of uh, Dr. Newman, so he connected us both. Uh, they needed an intern, and I was looking for an internship, and that's what led me to CDC now. Those are my favorite courses and a uh, professor. That's so awesome, and I love that you got the opportunity to come back and participate in the class in a new way. Did it feel odd in any way, coming back and being on the other side of the classroom, so to speak? Yeah, it felt weird in that I was reaching out to Dr. Newman just for advice and kind of turned it back to me. Like, hey, come talk to um, our class. And I didn't feel like I had enough experience to like, I I wasn't qualified to speak to a class like that. But um, the class really enjoyed it. And it got me to learn that everyone has their own experiences to share and it really doesn't matter like how long you've done something or you have a different you have a perspective to share. 
And that's one of the things that I wanted to uh, chat with you about in doing this interview is learning a little bit about your perspective as now a longtime employee at the CDC. Of course, uh, the organization has been on a lot of people's minds, I think, over the last year and a half or so. And I just wanted to maybe peel back the curtain a little bit and give our listeners an idea. What does a typical day look like in your role at the CDC? My current role is a public health analyst in the Division of Global Health Protection in the Center for Global Health at CDC. And really, a typical day has been redefined by the COVID-19 global pandemic for many CDC colleagues, including myself, as some of us take rotations supporting the agency's COVID-19 response in addition to our day jobs. But even before the pandemic, my policy work and particularly global health work has been dynamic. Uh, our, our priority as a division is the advancement of global health security to ensure that the world can respond faster and more effectively to contain health threats. And so my division focuses on prevention, detection, response, and collaboration to achieve the goals of creating a healthier and safer world. So we do that by we prevent disease outbreaks from occurring by constantly monitoring potential threats and ensuring rapid responses to global health emergencies. We improve detection to mitigate the impact of global disease outbreaks and other public health events. And we build country, regional, and global capabilities to respond to public health threats and improve public health preparedness. And we collaborate to sustain and strengthen partnerships for global health security. And so through that, our division's efforts to enhance global health security are focused on strengthening core four areas of uh, public health protection, which are surveillance, laboratory systems, workforce development and emergency management and response. And focusing on potential weak links in those core four areas ensures that partner countries are well prepared to respond to disease threats wherever they might begin. So going back to your original question about my typical day, on any given day, I could be reviewing budget submission, a budget submission for CDC's global health work. And you know, go, needs to go through a process to be part of the president's budget request to Congress. I could be reviewing congressional testimony for a CDC leader. Um, our talking points to be presented at the World Health Assembly, uh, organized by the World Health Organization, WHO. Uh, and I also facilitate public-private partnerships for our division, uh, which is, again, a direct connection to the lessons I learned from that policy leadership class uh, about public and private sectors working together. So each day, uh, the scope of my work is different. And to me, that's what makes it interesting and meaningful. Yeah, I think a lot of folks, when they hear CDC, they think, you know, white lab coats and test tubes and things. But it's interesting that you talk about doing this work that is, you know, in some ways, a lot more maybe abstract, and yet it still seems very dynamic and ever-changing. What do you think prepared you to work at that kind of high level and maybe oscillate between those different kinds of responsibilities like you were just talking about? Well, so these different responsibilities didn't just come the first day I started at CDC. It was a progression. I think the broad education in public policy and kind of being able to choose different electives um, and being a generalist helps me 
kind of stay curious on these different topics. Uh, I still feel like I, I'm just here helping the, the real smart experts, the science experts, get their uh, research information out there. Um, and actually, for it to cause some change, that's what I'm here as a facilitator. So uh, I don't know if that answered your question. I, it does make me think of uh, when I interviewed at CDC the first time, um, I asked them what what about my resume my information got your interest and it was interesting that i took a global issues course my first uh semester first year of college it was part of the freshman learning communities and so you know this was a two credit course uh elective that really was in a way inconsequential to my actual degree but that's what caught their eye (laughs) and the fact that i was uh actually studying public policy. Um, um, so that I was bringing that expertise for them. They had the expertise on public health and that kind of thing. So I, I guess that's what got them interested. And I, I was also taking a online uh, intro to the European Union course. And so I guess those, those are the things that um, prepared me. And being from an immigrant family, definitely um, the interest grew on me. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about how personal this work is to you on different levels, whether it's relating to your background as a first-generation American or as a disabled American or with your education. It seems like all of these different factors have kind of coalesced into this work that is really meaningful for you. Is that is that how you would describe it? Yeah, it just, um, I can't say that you know, I planned my career based on all that. But in retrospect, I feel like it makes sense that I'm working in global health, that I have this dual identity of uh, being American. I was born and raised in, uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, actually, at downtown uh, Crawford Long Hospital. I think it's called now Emory uh, Midtown Hospital. <laughs> but, you know, um, appearance-wise, I, I still look like an outsider to some people. And, um so that dynamic of what does it mean when the U.S. works in other countries, I guess, is um, interesting from a cultural standpoint to me. And, um, yeah, it's been very meaningful, you know, just to work in this global aspect and with many of these countries, just uh, particularly like where my parents came from, from India, um, to help the world, if you could say. <laughs> So how much of your background as a first-generation American and all of your intersecting identities led to you wanting to work in global health in particular? Yeah, um, so my identity as a first-generation American definitely has have helped me kind of gravitate to a global health work or working in, with many different countries around the world uh, like where my parents came from, India. Just a natural feel of the work is definitely interesting and, and personal to me, uh, and it really just found its way to me, uh, being you know uh, called by the Center for Global Health to work. But definitely has become meaningful for me because we are a global community, and disease knows no borders. So it's great to be able to work globally and protect our Americans' health and really the world's health uh, uh, in that process. We are so connected. 
So mentioning that kind of wide-reaching global effect, I want to zoom out a bit and talk about some larger-scale impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. What do you see changing in your field of public policy work as a result of all of this? In the sense of public policy work, there are many issues that have come to light uh, because of this pandemic, like the way we work has changed, what the workplace will look like, how work gets done. As a person with a disability, I, I hope this extended telework period opens doors for people with other disabilities who may need remote work possibilities as a reasonable accommodation. People with disabilities do have a higher unemployment rate than the rest of the population. Like According to the uh, July labor statistics, the unemployment rate for people with disabilities of working age is 12.1% compared to 5.4% uh, with people without disabilities. So I hope more people with disabilities become employed. This pandemic has also shined a light, um, spotlight on racial, racial, socioeconomic, and health disparities. Uh, and as a result, you know, CC has declared a racism as a serious threat to the public's health. So in all, I hope to see some breakdown of silos uh, in the field of public policy. Public health policy affects you know, physical policy and vice versa. And there are other linkages that we can find if we just dig deeper. And I think this pandemic has challenged us to make a concerted effort to understand uh, cultural barriers to healthcare and the ways we use uh, the levers of public policy to solve our problems and particularly working in global health, I hope we understand better that decisions uh, made here in the U.S. also affect the rest of the world and vice versa, because again, we are, truly are a global village. Yeah, lots of exciting new challenges to approach in the future. And of course, we here at the Andrew Young School are very passionate about preparing our students for that future and to do the kinds of great work that you're doing. If you were to uh, speak to a room full of AYS students today, virtually, of course, or via this podcast, uh, what advice would you give them based on your career so far? I spent uh, you know, 12 years working in global health, and I got some experience outside of global health at CDC. I'm back at global health, and I'm feeling like I'm at this point where I, I feel more comfortable um, being in this informal mentorship role. But the advice... Uh, I would give uh, students is really the advice I try to give to myself too is to have an open mind and don't be too fixated on a single plan or path because my career path wasn't really based on a I will do this next or uh, anything um, but being flexible and open to new opportunities uh, does make us more valuable to employers quicker the quicker students can gain opportunities uh, to apply their the skills they learned in the classroom, uh, the better off they will be and realize uh, whether or not they made the right choice of field of study. Now, that does not necessarily mean that you have to get an internship or a paid job your first year of your studies. Uh, I did enjoy my college experience, um, but if I could do it over again, I might be more involved in student affairs and um, student government, maybe, realizing now that those experiences are valuable to future career plans as well. Overall, my path has served me well. I've enjoyed my time at CDC. The agency is welcoming to a diverse workforce, and I actually try to make it more welcoming by uh, I lead a 
disabilities interest group at CDC that represents the needs of CDC staff with disabilities and serve as a resource for CDC's efforts to address disabilities issues in the workplace. So that's the kind of, I guess you could say, extracurricular activities that enrich your experience that could have done more in um, the college experience. And I also helped to create a GSU alumni group at CDC. So I get to uh, interact with current students who might be doing a fellowship or recent graduates working at CDC. So I hope my experiences will inspire other students, particularly students with disabilities, uh, to take advantage of the opportunities that may come their way and pay it forward when they're able to, uh, to the next generation. The Andrew Young School podcast is produced and hosted by me, Taylor Olmsted, with production assistance on this episode from Ruth M. Cook-Gibbs, Senior Health Communication Specialist and Media Lead with the Division of Global Health Protection at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and Jennifer Giartano, Communications and PR Manager at the Andrew Young School. Our executive producer is Ivani Raval. We are a production of Georgia State University's Andrew Young School of Policy Studies, located in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. To learn more about the Andrew Young School, visit us online at aysps.gsu.edu or follow us on social media at aysps.gsu. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to leave a review for us in your podcast app of choice. And we'll be back next month interviewing another policy thought leader from the Andrew Young School of Policy Studies at Georgia State University.